Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. All right. Well, what a terrific day it is here again in the Pacific Northwest. We are enjoying spring without the rain, and it's a beautiful day today. Today, I've got Kenny Casperbauer back with us. Um, hey, Kenny, how are you doing? Doing well, Paul. Thanks again for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Kenny's a recent graduate from the University of Washington. He's also a Team USA athlete for the Olympic sport of sprint canoe. And recently, uh, we were discussing your passion for sprint canoe, which is a competitive international sport in which you hold, I believe, 52 medals. Is that right? Yeah, from the national championships, that's correct. Okay, and, and uh, about 21 uh, gold medals uh, as part of that 52. And you're an Olympic, it's an Olympic sport. Is that correct? That is correct. Excellent. Yeah. And for those that uh, are just tuning in for the first time, Sprint Canoe, can you explain what Sprint Canoe is again? Yeah, for sure. Um, sprint canoe has been in the Olympics since 1936, I believe, uh, at the Berlin Games. And there's two main disciplines within um, sprint canoe. There's sprint kayak, and then there's you know sprint canoe. Kayak, um, you know, as you imagine, is you can kind of visualize it. You're sitting down in a kayak with a double bladed paddle paddling on both sides, but the boats are incredibly long. They're um, 5.2 meters long, which I believe um, I'm more of a metric guy. So I, I think this is 17 feet ish long, and then only about you know the width of your hips wide. Um, so you're wedged in this long, narrow boat. You have a little rudder stick by your front feet to to help you steer, and um, you know you're going as fast as you can down a, a straight race course. And then sprint canoe on the other side, which is the the discipline that I do. Um, a bit trickier, um, a bit more balanced because you are kneeling on one knee, like you're posing this on. You have one knee down, one leg in front. You're in this lunge and you only have a, a single bladed paddle and you're only paddling on one side. Um, you know, so I've been paddling for close to 10 years now. I've only ever paddled on the right side, but you're paddling on, you know, one side. There's no rudder involved. So you have to steer based off of your stroke. Um, and there's a huge element of technique, um, huge element of balance, and a huge element of um, an aerobic, an anaerobic element because you're using your hips, you're using your legs, you're using your upper body, core, using every every uh, muscle in your body. So um, it's an incredibly challenging sport. Uh, it's not very well known in the United States. It's more of a um, European sport. Um, so, for example, I believe it's it's one of the two main sports the national sports of, you know, Hungary, um, 
Russians are incredibly good at it. Ukrainians, all of, um, especially those Eastern European countries. But um, like I said, it's, it's a tricky sport. It's, I've had someone give the analogy that it's like the balance of figure skating, the aerobics of close to the aerobics of rowing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just tricky, but um, I've been doing it for a while. So well, you're really to be able to do it. You're, you're obviously really, really good at it. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, and, and we really hope that to, uh, to see it this year in the Olympics as it's, uh, as it's coming up. So you're also a graduate of the University of Washington. You have a degree in business administration from the prestigious Foster School of Business. And um, that's where you and I met at a mm-hmm. function for Phi Che Theta uh, business, Professional Business Fraternity. Um, and you had shared with me that your schedule was very tight because of your training. Um, and that put you at a somewhat of a disadvantage in interviewing for jobs. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, in the last podcast, I I came to this realization, you know, um, when I come home for, you know, from the summers, from, you know, in between school years, I'm always training and always competing. And meanwhile, my peers, my friends, um, they're off doing internships, job shadowing, and they're accumulating these, you know, glamorous things on their resume. And, you know, granted, you know, being an athlete and competing uh, for the USA is, is, you know, does look good on the resume, or at least hope it does. But I, I came to the realization, I, I had a buddy say, you know, Kenny, I heard this statistic that um, I think it's like 97% of resumes are read by a computer in the initial screening phase. So only 3% are actually read by um, a recruiter, an actual person, you know, and that's just a, a byproduct of us being in the digital age, you know, you know, you can post a job online and you can have, you know, 400 applicants from all over the U.S. within 24 hours. So I knew that, you know, my resume wasn't going to, wasn't getting flagged. I could notice, um, cause I wasn't getting, you know, interviews or, or, um, you know, informational interviews or, you know, coffee chats, anything like that. So I kind of made it my initiative to, um, find a stray away or, you know, differentiate myself by getting really involved in clubs. So you mentioned the, the professional business fraternity at UW, um, there, I also did a lot of networking. Um, you know, last week I was saying I'm a pretty introverted guy. I, I'm, I'm shy, but I came to the realization, you know, whether or not I'm shy or not, I still need to be able to, to talk to people and, and, you know, have confident, you know, conversations with these people. Um, so I worked really hard on, you know, getting comfortable walking to people, strangers, introducing myself, asking them for coffee and, you know, actually following through because it's one thing to ask, but it's another thing to actually follow through. Um, so those elements like that were, were things I worked really hard on and, you know, eventually they, they helped me differentiate. Um, and, you know, it, it's certainly still tough. Um, so thankfully I uh, just got an a offer from Deloitte. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, uh, that hard work was, was able to, you know, come to fruition. 
Well, that's a competitive mindset, and you're a competitive person. Um, you've been on the dean's list, recognized on the dean's list 11 times, and your ability to take a look at the challenge in front of you and figure out a way around that, um, I think is really, really speaks to this mindset. Uh, and I'm sure that there's things that you've learned from training for the, you know, for your events, uh, that Olympic mindset, I'll call it. What are some of the trainings that you've received, that mindset, that competitive mindset that can be used in their daily lives? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll honestly, I'll, I'll kind of just explain, you know, what, what goes through my head when I train and then maybe, you know, the people listening can apply that or find a way to apply that. Um, cause everyone has different circumstances. Everyone has different walks of life. So if there's a little, <laughs> I always heard like a little nugget of wisdom that you can take away, then I'm happy, you know, that I did this podcast, but like I said, I'll explain, you know, with my training, um, I had a coach back in high school um, he's telling me, and this, this phrase really rung with me. He goes, train the way you race, Kenny, because you will always race the way you train. So I'll say it again, train the way you race because you will always race the way you train. Mm. So what that means is, you know, when I was 15, 16 and I was competing, I you know was fortunate enough to make a couple, um, national teams for the U S at, you know, small, um, regattas internationally. Um, you know, in, in the, you know, under 15, under 16 age categories. And I, I re- recognized and realized that, you know, some of the races, you know, I was lining up and I'm looking left and right. And I see this, you know, I'm 15 years old and I see this Lithuanian to my left. who looks like he's, he's 19. And I look to my right and I see this, you know, guy from the Czech Republic. You know, he looks like he's 17 and it was getting into my head. I was freaked out. and you know, just with their presence, it was affecting my race. And so, you know, when I was 17, 18, you know, late 16s, I realized I should be training exactly how I want to race. There's never going to be an instance where I'm going to show up to the race day and, you know, I'm going to pull something out of, you know, out of nowhere and, you know, win, you know, everything, let's say, or I'm going to pull out this crazy performance, you know, because we watch like, I don't know, great athletes, you know, like LeBron James or, you know, all these incredible athletes, you know, pull out underdog stories or um, all these great performances. But I realized, you know, they're also working on their mentality. They're trying to train the way they would compete, the way they would race. So, you know, if I'm in training and, you know, we're doing a hard interval piece and let's say it's like a four minute piece or two minute piece of, you know, hard effort. If I'm getting to, you know, a minute in or 90 seconds in and I'm really feeling tired, things are starting to deteriorate in my technique and I just want to, you know, stop, I think to myself, what I do right now is exactly it's going to be a reflection of my race. So, you know, I would try and keep keep my technique tight, try and, you know, work through that pain um, and build that pain tolerance. And as a result, I started to see it reflect really well in my performances. So. You know, another thing I always thought of was you could be the strongest, fittest, you know, most jacked person on the race course. Or, you know, mm-hmm. to make another analogy, you could be the smartest, you know, most genius person in a workforce. 
But if you're, you get freaked out by competition or you, you know, I don't know, if you don't have the right mentality, then I can say with almost a certain, with certainty that, you know, you're the strongest person in the world, but you're not going to be a world champion. You're not going to be an Olympic champion. You need to have that mental component because, you know, if you start a race and you're, you know, the fittest person and somebody's beating you off the line, let's say, you know, and you fall apart, that's something you need to fix. So I figured, you know, I'm not the fastest guy, you know, in training. I, I know that. I recognize that. But I was going to differentiate myself by working on that mental aspect, work on, you know, that Mamba mentality, you know, a lot of people say, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, really being sharp and keen to the details in training um, and the little aspects in life and really focusing and developing those so I could have, you know, a clean race. There's nothing, there's going to be no surprises on race day. You know, if I'm doing a, I'm doing a 500 meter, you know, time trial, I know right around, or 200 meter, let's say, um, I know right around like, you know, 50 meters in, I'm going to be feeling this. I'm going to work on, you know, pushing my hip forward um, between, you know, the 50 meter mark and the 100 meter mark. And then between the 100 and 120, um, I'm really going to focus on, you know, dropping my upper body onto the paddle, you know, things like this where I'm like, okay, there's no surprises. Uh, I'm confident that I can do this race because I was confident in training and I've I've established that time and that that work ethic. So when you're saying no surprises on race day, um, I think what you're – unpack that for me. So you literally, like you said, at the 50-meter mark – you know, you know that you're going to feeling you're going to be feeling this or or that. How detailed is that vis- visualization of that day or that race? And when do you begin that vis- visualization? Yeah. Um, so last week I was talking about. I think I gave an analogy of you know an Olympic weightlifter doing the clean and jerk. So they hoist the bar from the ground to their shoulders and from shoulders to overhead. And let's say you have, you know, 400 pounds on your chest and you're about to press this weight overhead. But, you know, moments before, what are you saying to yourself? Because, you know, everyone has, was, will have or should have, you know, doubt in their mind. Um, the human body is never conditioned to do things that we're uncomfortable with. Um, that's why we train. We're trying to, to get used to that uncomfortable sensation. Um, but what do you say to yourself that, encourages you or pushes you to push that that weight overhead and you know win the competition or you know make the podium or or get your personal record um so when i say no surprises on race day you know growing up i noticed i would show up to races and i you know i think i'm I'm good i've been training good and like i said i was lining up and I'm, i'm looking my left and right and i'm seeing these you know big scary individuals or people i oh maybe they're better than me or you know maybe they train a little harder than me and just with those facts alone, like we haven't even started the race and I'm already defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was really working on was, was no surprises. So, you know, like a lot of my coaches growing up in high school worked a lot in visualization. They go, Kenny, you know, you know, me and all my teammates, they go, you should, you know, try really hard to visualize and be prepared for the races. So for example, Last year, I was training for the World Cha- World Cup um, in Deget, Hungary. 
um, racing for the U.S. team. And, you know, I know sometimes that I get freaked out when I look left and right and I see, you know, like all these studs around me, you know, world champions and, um, you know, Olympic medalists, stuff like that. And I, I, what I would do in training those two months before was I would visualize. So let's say we're doing starts and practice. I would try so hard to visualize, you know, it's a sunny day. There's, you know, the left line of buoys and the right line of buoys um, in front of me. Um, they're kind of like that parallax where they, you know, it's so far away that they start to converge on each other. Like all these little details. What's the wind feel like? Mm. You know, how hot is it outside? You know, what am I thinking? You know, I, I push my nose on my boat into the starting block. Um, what am I doing on my first stroke? What am I thinking? You know, visualizing I got like a Ukrainian to my left and, you know, a Brazilian to my right or something like that, you know, along those lines. So, you know, visualization is incredibly powerful. And you'll hear, you know, LeBron James really works on that. And, you know, a lot of other very, very, you know, good athletes were, you know, I also learned this from. Um, so there was no surprises on race day. So, you know, it's not like, oh, surprise, like, you know, the Ukrainian is going, you know, an absolutely insane start. Um, don't be freaked out by that. You know, keep your cool, keep your calm and, and be confident in, in what you've been training for um, and, you know, the work you put in. So there's some self-talk in in conjunction with visualization, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, that comes down to, to each different person as well. Um, some people need a lot of self-talk. Some people don't need as much. So, um, you know, it's really finding that, that comfort level. Um, and one interesting fact I remember learning in, in psychology in high school, actually, um, there is a graph that shows a, you know, a representation between or correlation between stress and performance. And you can think of, um, you know, like the University of Miami has like that big U. I don't know if you can visualize, if you guys can visualize that, but um, it's a pretty wide U. And that's basically the graph, the relationship between stress and performance. Um, when you move along the axes, you'll find that at certain stress levels, people will perform extremely well. And that changes from person to person. So, you know, one of my training partners, she is, she produces her absolute best performances when she is stressed, like her coping mechanism is crying. Um, and it works really well for her. Like she exceeds and, you know, when it comes to racing, she's on point. Whereas, you know, I have another friend that, you know, she's, giggling on the start line she's laughing she's you know trying to talk to people and so her you know top you know she needs to be very you know not stressed she needs to have her mind off of competition um to have her best performance so she really needs to know where you, you really need to know yourself yeah and and this applies to you know maybe you know interviews or you know taking a test in school let's say or you know if you're talking to your boss um i mean like i said that these are all my personal anecdotes from training and, and competing, but um, a lot of stuff has a, a lot of carryover to, you know, the professional realm. Um, because yeah, some people, like, like I said, some people need to be so stressed out for them to, you know, be in their prime or be in their zone. You know, you look at people who procrastinate, they're super stressed out. You know, they get an essay due in five hours, but that's when they can really pump out a really good essay for them. Whereas others be like, you know, I'm going to 
take the two weeks and, you know, write over these two weeks. Um, and I don't want to be stressed and, you know, cause I can't write when I'm stressed, you know? Interesting. Um, Interesting. So, you know, there's that, there's that play, um, between how much stress is too much stress and how much, um, is too little. So it's important for, in order for visualization to really work for a person, that person needs to understand themselves, right? Yeah, um, the, I would you know, say so. And then put themselves as they are into that circumstance and then to creatively visualize themselves as they are uh, in in that environment. So, for example, the person who needs to be loose and laugh and interact with people beforehand, it would do no good for them to visualize themselves sitting in a corner being quiet. That 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 would not help them. I'm just using that yeah. as an example. Um, yeah. Likewise, the other person who needs to have uh, things dialed up more mentally for them uh, to for them to reach their peak, it would do no good for them to visualize themselves laughing and being loose before the match. That 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 wouldn't that would not help them. So each person needs to put themselves as they are into that imaginary environment in order for visualization to really provide them with the greatest amount of assistance. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it takes time. Um, I wouldn't be frustrated, you know, if, if you're just starting, you know, to think about this and being like, well, I don't know where, where I am. You know, in my experience, it took me a long, long time to figure it out. And, um, you know, for me personally, I need to be like pretty focused. Um, I, I don't like anything to like stray my train of thought. So like, you know, let's say it's race day and, you know, one of my teammates, he is looking at the start list and being like, okay, you know, Jakob Lutash from Slovakia, you know, I know that he did a, you know, 402 and Slovakian trials, you know, four weeks ago. So I can expect him to do this, this, this. And, you know, we got Felix Gabriel you know, also in the race and he's, you know, can do this, 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 um, has the task, these tactics. Um, you know, some people that really works for me, I don't even want to look at the start list. I don't want to know who's in my race because I know that if I start looking, then, you know, there's a chance that it will get to my head. And if that happens, then, you know, I'm probably not going to have a good race. So I just try and stay in my own head. I try and do, you know, stay total focused and I try not to lose that, that train of thought. Um, and granted, like, I'm not perfect. Like I still need to work on it. You know, there was a race, you know, at that, that world cup I mentioned last year. Um, I realized like I still got a lot, a lot more to go. Um, you know, it's always a learning process, but you can recognize that, you know, maybe I, you talk best or maybe you're the most persuasive or maybe you write the best in, you know, when you're feeling pretty stressed then, you know, run with that, try it out and, and see if that works well for you. Or, you know, like you're saying, like some people need to be like chatting and, you know, relaxed and, you know, that just kind of like calm, cool, collected. Um, you know, if that works for you, absolutely. 
Um, but I think recognizing that will only be, you know, strengthen, you know, yourself um, and your confidence in your abilities. Is there any exercises, you know, simple exercises um, that you can think of or you can share with the audience that may that, that they may want to try, you know, something simple? Um, yeah, I, for me, like, I don't know. I, for me, I watch a lot of YouTube and I get a lot of that, um, strength and, you know, understanding from, um, watching how other athletes, you know, perform. Um, I also know that some people really like doing self-affirmation. Um, you know, so if you do, let's say you have a hard interview and, you know, you're super stressed and it goes really well, you know, treat yourself, you know, you deserve it. Um, reinforce like that good behavior or, you know, even if it goes bad, like you can still you know, self-affirmate and, you know, be like, okay, well, that's okay. We're going to work hard next time. Um, like I said, be, be calm and, and true with, with where you're standing. Um, that's another, you know, element is, you know, I try not to lie to myself. I, I try and be as blunt and, I'm, I'm sure like as I talk people are probably like wow this guy's like super blunt or you know um you know this guy's like really sharp or you know that for me I I need to be really blunt with myself um it really helps for me because then I can pinpoint my weaknesses or understand um you know I don't do this as well like I need to fix this so I'm gonna you know work really hard or um, I know this part of my you know, relationships with my friends is maybe struggling or um, I need to work on that. You know, just little things like that, that, that really helped me, you know, little self-assessment stuff there. Well, that's excellent. That is excellent. I think that, I think all of us can learn from your experience and take things away that, that can help us in our personal lives. And, that visualization component, I think, is often talked about, but outside of competitive sports, I don't know how often people actually use it in the business world, and as much as they should. And you have done that at school. Um, obviously, you've been extremely, extremely successful uh, with school and, and extremely successful in your sport. And anything that we can learn to apply in our personal lives from your expertise is only going to help us. Yeah. And another thing I'd say is, you know, this is one tool that, you know, you can put in your toolbox. You know, maybe it doesn't, you know, visualization doesn't apply to every scenario, but, um, you know, as you like go along and you, you know, you talk to people, you listen to people, um, you can, you know, learn these different tools to apply. So like for me, my, my monkey wrench, the, the thing I use for everything is um, being true and honest with myself. Like I was just saying, like, you know, whether it's, you know, school related, professional related, you know, athletics related, you know, gym related, whatever it may be, I'm honest with myself. Be like, okay, I have a weakness here. I recognize it. What am I going to do to fix that or be better at that? Come tomorrow, come next week, come next month come, you know, next decision day, let's say. Um, so, you know, like I said, everything's just a tool. Well, I, I think that's that excellent. And I'm going to take away, train the way you race. You will always race 
the way you train. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, that's that's something I heard. You know, like I said, when I was young, and it's, I'm 23 now, and I'm I'm still applying that to my training, um, and still, you know, applying it to other areas of life that I can. Well, you know, another person once said, "You won't rise to the occasion during stress. Generally, you fall back on the areas you've trained <laughs> or you tra- trained." Yeah, actually. You yeah, know, I agree with that. So I, but I, but I really like this. Train the way you race, you will race the way you train. Kenny, thank you very much for your time together today, man. I really, truly appreciate it. I'm taking notes. I'm sure other people are taking <laughs> notes. And if, um, if people want to get in touch with you uh, or support you in your competitive endeavors um, with Sprint Canoe. Uh, if you would share how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Um, you can reach out to me really any way. Um, email is always open. It's kcasper, that's two Ks, kcasper01 at gmail.com. And then you can reach out to me on, on social media, on Instagram um, or Facebook, just at Kenny Casper Bauer. Um, but honestly, like if anyone has any more questions or, um, anything, I'm a completely open book. Um, like I said, I, I've done coaching before, um, you know, for athletics. So I understand, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like coaching, you have to build the ability of, of breaking things down and, and seeing it from a different perspective. Um, so something that may seem, you know, innate to some people may, you know, and vice versa. Some people may be, you know, first nature for, you know, person A, but not for person B. Um, and person B might find something else really intuitive. Those people can always share, um, you know, and, and learn from each other and, you know, both grow as, you know, individuals just by virtue of, of you know, conversation. So um, by all means, if any, anybody wants to reach out and chat, you know, please reach out to me. Well, Kenny, my friend, that was absolutely terrific. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank our audience, and I want to encourage everyone to always invest in what you love.